Welcome to Under The Rhythm. My name's Ben Malone and this is the podcast where we lift the lid on some of the most exciting people in the UK dance industries. On this week's episode, we talk about labels as I'm joined by two of the most exciting A&Rs and label heads in the game. Another Rhythm Records, Billy Weber and Luke McFarlane of Stress Records. Both these labels have been pioneering new talent for the last few years and releasing some incredible music. And both Billy and Luke have got a number of strings to their bows outside of the immediate label work I just mentioned. So without further ado, you're listening to the Under The Rhythm podcast this week with Luke McFarlane and Billy Weber. Billy Weber, Luke McFarlane, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. How are you both? Good. Yeah, Thanks. good. How are you? Really good to have you on. Um, I think this is going to be a really interesting um, episode. So far, mostly on the podcast, we've had artists, but uh, I wanted to take it a little bit more behind the scenes and into some of the kind of parts of the industry that people don't have such a good idea about. So would you guys mind giving a quick introduction to who you are and what you do? Billy, should we start with you? Sure. So my name is Billy Weber, and um, I've been in the in the music business for the best part of about seven years now. Started at Warner in A&R as work experience. Um, and then um, luckily I stuck around for so long that they, they had to give me a job and uh, <laughs> ended up in doing dance music essentially. But it was, it was, cause it was at Warner, it was mainly pop dance it used it had to have some kind of commercial crossover um i guess potential and then about two and a half years ago i started the other songs with my brother alistair um which was predominantly a record label and we decided to split the the label into two so the other songs being kind of singers and songwriters and another rhythm, which is basically my remit and what I had up, which is dance music and everything that falls beneath and in between it. Um, and I've been doing that for two and a half years and we've, we've, we've been signing some amazing talent. It's totally different to what I was doing at Warner. Um, it, enables, it enables us to get in right at the start of an artist's career and develop um to de properly develop an artist which which is a which is a joy it's a long road but it's a it's a joy to to be able to do so that's kind of that's me in a nutshell brilliant i want to dig into some of the things you said uh, as we get through the podcast but uh luke do you want to just um hit us up with uh who you are yeah, sure. <laughs> your background <laughs> so my name's luke mcfarlane um I've been in the industry probably similar sort of time to Billy, six or seven years. Um, when I graduated uni, I did, a, I did a degree in music journalism and I had this whole dream of being a music writer and then I realised that it probably wasn't a career in that at all. So I went into like music PR for a little bit, quickly found out that wasn't for me and then I started at this job which was like a music tech startup. It was sort of similar to like how Spotify and Deezer started. Um, to cut a long story short, it obviously didn't do very well because it's still not around today. But um, whilst I was there, I was like A&R, label manager, artist relations sort of thing. And then in the background, I've been running my own label with my friend Mitchell Stevens, who I think you know, Ben. Uh, we run a label called Limited Health. Um, it's more alternative R&B and pop sort of music. And 
yeah, we helped discover this amazing soul singer, you know, R&B star called Ravina, who's now, she's absolutely massive in the States. Um, and that was kind of like my first real taste of proper A&R, discovering someone from their very first track and now looking at them being like an absolute superstar is amazing. Um, so I, after I left that job, I, um, I started at Material Music, which is like a label group, an artist management company. Um, there's like four labels at the company. We, you know, we run Stress Records, which is what we're probably going to talk about a lot today. Um, Future Disco, Need One, and we also run the Back to Mind series. So I've worked on projects with like Nightmares on Wax. I'm doing one with Fatboy Slim at the moment, which is incredible. Um, so yeah, I've been I've been head of A and R here for about yeah best part of five years now, I'd say. And um, yeah, it's amazing. I love it. I absolutely love my job. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, do you love yours? That's a, a key detail. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I love my job. And um, <laughs> it, it was it was quite funny just to see that you um, you, you said that you were working with, with Ravina because one of the yeah. first emails I sent on the 1st of April 2018 when I started The Other Songs is, it reads, Hi there, how are you? I just came across Ravina's music and loved the songs and production, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I got no reply, so... Um, <laughs> um, about getting there first isn't it i guess <laughs> so it sounds like you both had pretty uh different but varied ways of getting into the industry i just want to take it back to before you necessarily were working in the industry and just how music became a big part of your lives uh so i've asked you guys to have a think about three tracks that have been in some way significant to your musical journeys um be that as a fan uh, or working in the industry um and then i thought we'd just go through them and have a little chat about them as we go so billy do you want to give us a yeah your I've, first track? i've been thinking about this and it's, it's been quite tricky i um i heard the tabasco boys on your show do it and um Theirs was, theirs was actually way more different, I think, the way that I've approached this. Because mm. I didn't really start in dance music. I didn't really grow up listening to dance music. I've, I kind of... What was, your, what was your early kind of, your musical taste? The, fir the first time I started really getting into music was when quite, it's quite cringe, but I was, was producing. And um, luckily I'm on the other side of the, of the glass now and um, I'm looking for the music. But I was listening to, I was listening to, I remember I used to listen to Mr. Jam's show on One Extra every single day, especially when my brother was already working for Universal. And I used to try and find records for him um, to, to be able to, to take into his A&R meetings. But it was, at the start, it was like, it was dubstep. I remember my brother showing me Midnight Request Line by Scream all of the Casper and Rusko records. Um, I attempted to even produce like that, and it was a, it was a catastrophe. Um, <laughs> never did anyone hear those records. Um, but then, I, then I kind of got into, um, I, I started listening to soul music, and that's when I started um, listening to these old, old records from the 60s and 70s, and actually thinking about how they could be reworked. Um, and I had no idea about the process of sampling, but 
the first record that if you were to say what's your favorite record you know nine times out of ten I'd probably say Lee Dorsey give it up who's a who's an old soul soul singer um from New Orleans I think and there's just this piano solo at the beginning of the record and I was like that is epic we need to use it at some point um Anyway, I managed to convince uh, Endor, who I managed, to <laughs> to use it, um, and we got it signed to Universal. But for me, that was a big process. That was a sort of a six-year process from discovering music that I'd never really heard before, and then being able to incorporate it into something new and and something that I was working with with at the time. So I'd go Lee Dorsey, give it up. Um, I think it was, I think it was 1968 that it was released. Um, but you can correct me on that later on. Do you want all of my my all my three? Or my, yeah, we'll go through, we'll go through all three of yours, and then we'll okay. then we'll switch over to Luke. Then I would say I don't know if you've heard of Submotion Orchestra. Yeah, yeah. So they're seven seven piece from Leeds. They all met at Leeds Uni. I heard their this was kind of like after I'd grown up um, or grown out of dubstep. And then this seven-piece um, band came in. Grown out is very much a, is a phrase that people use for dubstep, isn't it? No, it yeah. was a short and sweet era. Short and sweet. I thought I was really hard. I wasn't. Um, <laughs> and then um, it brought me right back down to earth again. Um, but yeah, Emotion Orchestra always, they basically, I guess they they were a mixture between like, they were doing live, the bassists called Fatty Bassman. Uh, was doing live, like, bass, dubstep bass, but doing it really, really well. And it was kind of like dance music meets jazz meets a bit of dubstep, dub. And I was just like, this is insane. And I think the singer Ruby Wood was just fronted it so well. And, um, and yeah, I went to see them live. I've seen them live a couple of times, and the the sound is incredible. So I would go... I. I'd have them as a massive influence uh, in terms of production as well, mainly. Um, and then the third, um, which I'm sure the dance heads will know, my uh, my boss, Anton, uh, big up Anton, um, at Warner, let me go to Miami when and I was very young and I had no idea what I was doing. And uh, he let me lose in Miami. Um, he couldn't make no what to expect <laughs> <laughs> anyway I was um I was sort of I was at this I can't remember who was playing but I heard um Afro Medusa Pasilda for the first time and great classic record <laughs> everyone was uh, there were veterans all around me going oh yeah this is really cool blah 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 and I was going this is the best song I've ever heard um, <laughs> and I might have had a drink um <laughs> and i was going this is amazing this is amazing i think i was shazamming it and everyone's like who's this who's this loser shazamming one of the biggest house records of the last 20 years <laughs> <laughs> anyway that just that that coat that completely um yeah i was sold from that point actually when i heard it it was amazing and there was a singer who was doing the doing a vocal riff uh, over the top and um i was like this is this is it it was live especially when you look back on it now having just a really lively show, live singer, DJ was going mad. Yes, there were a few cool A&Rs who weren't dancing, but I was going absolutely mad. <laughs> <laughs> Three very different records then. 
Yeah, I had Tommy Farrell on last week, and he just picked two Ejeka records. Uh, <laughs> 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 like, All right, okay, <laughs> cheers for the variety. Um, but <laughs> totally different um, genres, but also eras as well. Mm. Uh, Luke, can you match? Can you match that? You know, it's a hard task, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's quite hard to pick three tracks, isn't it? Because it's like, how do you determine what has such a significant role in your musical life? And I guess with me, when I was at uni, obviously I was doing music journalism, so I was, I was listening to so many different genres of music anyway before that. But then when I went, and I was like, not that I'm going to pick one of these types of songs, but I was learning about like Ukrainian hip hop and stuff like that. So it's just like my mind was open to so many different genres of music, and I was just listening to so many different things, but. One track that really stands out, and it's probably quite obvious to some people, is um, James Blake, Limit to Your Love. Like that track for me was just like, that just opened my mind up to so many different forms of like electronic alternative music. And I remember seeing that, I remember seeing him at Best of All one year, and it absolutely blew my mind. Like seeing that live, I was just like, wow. The power of music, experiencing music live is is like nothing else. You can be totally blown away by experiencing something in like in a club environment that you would just never yeah, totally. experience I mean, outside of that. Yeah, obviously I was at a festival, so I was having a great time anyway. But yeah, when I heard that track, I was just like, when I, you know, I'd been listening to it anyway when I was at uni and I was like, I've got to go see James Blake, I've got to go see James Blake. And me and my mate Mitch we were just like, what is happening? What is going on here? It was just like, it was amazing. And anything that bloke has done since has just been incredible. Um, again, like Billy, I'm not like, I wasn't into dance music all my music life. I come back from like a indie alternative, you know, guitar based sort of background, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, I've always listened to electronic music, but I've not got into like, all the subgenres of dance music, you know, until like I was probably about 21, 22. Um, so another track really for me that stood out is a is by a producer called Lapalux. Um, he signed to Brain Feeder, which is Flying Lotus's label. Um, absolutely incredible producer. I mean, I don't know how he does what he does, but he just gets so much texture and sound into his music. It, when you listen to it on headphones, you're like, what is going on here you like you can just imagine his mixing desk and it's probably just absolutely insane um and there's a, there was this track called without you on his debut album um honestly you've got to go listen to it it is it is unbelievable. i don't know i'm gonna to have to go check it's it unbelievable. out um yeah he's, he's he's released like three albums since it's quite you know it's not i wouldn't say it's experimental it's it's electronic music definitely um and yeah again that just opened my mind up to so many different parts of electronic music. And yeah, I just, he's been one of my favorite producers for such a long time. Um, and then another track, th th this is probably the most dance floor it probably gets actually, is um, a producer called Fort Remote. Um, I remember reviewing his album on Ghostly when I was, uh, when I just finished uni and I was writing about it. I was trying to figure out all these words that I could say about it that just didn't sound really obvious, but I was just like, yeah, it's just incredible deep progressive music and there's this track called all i want and yeah it's just unreal like putting it on to go to the gym or going for a run it's just like it's one of those really slow builders and it just keeps building and building and building and building and again you're just in awe of this producer it just can create incredible dance music 
and anything that bloke has done since for me is just amazing so yeah quite different to billy's three i mean i could i could put i could have picked loads to be honest three is quite hard ben but uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what's, what's the name luke uh, what's it for remote for remote yeah all i want it was released on ghostly records um he's done loads of stuff on like permanent vacation live at robert johnson he's a british producer but i think he lives in berlin um really type of like Gerd Jansen and people like that um yeah unreal like production um but yeah I could I could have gone on man like could have picked out some Foles tracks I could have picked out there's this rapper called Ghost Poet who I used to really be into um so obviously you've both both given quite varied um examples of tracks that, that got you in do you think that that variety has an impact on your a and these days do you, yeah. do you are you thinking about these kind of not historic but these influences from all over different places when you're listening to new tracks from new artists or your your existing rosters yeah absolutely i, I think it's really important to have variety um and not be pigeonholed into one particular genre because that genre like dubstep can go out of fashion quite quickly <laughs> um well, i don't think it's good to have variation in general i mean what is genre and i don't want to start a conversation based on that but genre is so lax it's so loose now isn't it like 100 percent um so you know yeah i think yeah it's definitely influenced my way of a and r in um it's helped me look in different places for new music as well not just be restricted to say beatport or soundcloud or just like mixes and whatever um so this is a point that i wanted to touch on one of the reasons why i wanted you guys both to come on the same podcast is that i personally think you both have got a real knack for finding artists you know right at the start of their journeys and perhaps before they they're even kind of known at all elsewhere and bringing them to the forefront and 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 making releasing great music by them so how without obviously giving away all your secrets but <laughs> give us some insight into how you guys both consistently find like really fresh talent Billy, do you want to go first sure so i i it's so varied because as luke says it's not like i'm I'm not trawling through Beatport, SoundCloud and things like that. And that, and, you know, sitting at the top or having the most plays is not, is not necessarily what I'd be looking for. The best artists or some of the best finds that I've had have, have been complete luck. Um, you know, we're, 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 we're so lucky to be working with Ken and Andy, the Tabasco boys, um, who I know both of you guys know well. Um, that came that that came out of nowhere. Um, Steve Steve Mack, who's an amazing producer um, and mixer based in Brighton, um, he's got the most incredible studios. It's basically like a museum of hardware. Um, we were it was, yeah we were at the Great Escape and he was like you've got to meet um, you've got to meet this guy Connor, and so I said yeah cool yeah let's do it. Anyway, Connor was Connor Connor was there. We had a few drinks. It was a great night. Um, and he sent me the Tabasco boys the next day, the music. And there was there was a lot of personality um, 
they were sampling records. Uh, they were they were doing records that had no samples in, but there was always a bit of personality. The production was 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 you know top quality as well. Um, there was just something a little bit different, but that came out of complete luck from just being in the right place at the right time at about midnight um, at a pub in Brighton. <laughs> um, so I guess, you know, it's not the most, it's, uh, I guess it's not the most romantic way of going. I was at a gig and I shazammed the record, I couldn't shazam it. And then I asked the DJ what it was and it was a new thing. I mean, those sort of things can happen, but I find a lot of it is through friends and through people I work with. Um, and then being able to spot from my side, I look for, um, I think you mentioned it before, but there's always a sense of melody or personality or something a bit weird. doesn't have to be super serious. Um, for another rhythm, we don't, I mean, you know the labels. Sometimes, Ben, I'll send you records that are just so different. And maybe we should split the label into, we should have subcategories. But for me, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's, if it's good music, if it's, if, it, if it's done really well, then we believe that it should all be in the same place um, and not kind of pigeonholed into different labels. It would be easier probably to do it that way. And I think that people would look at our label and look at the different labels and go, oh, that's what they're doing. But for us, we just want to have fun and we want to show it in the music that we sign. Um, so, so, yeah, that's kind of... A very, very long way of saying that the process is um, that there isn't a process. <laughs> <laughs> Being in the right place at the right time. <laughs> and having a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Luke, anything to, to add on that or, or you know, differ? Sim similar thoughts, really. Like, right place, right time, speaking to the right people and just like just, uh, what can come off a random conversation. Um or just you know random things that either land in your inbox or you know I've, I've, because I did like a course where I was just, just you know look, I had to look for loads of music in various different places I've always kind of used that method of looking of trawling through loads of different places or whatever but most of the time it comes from just networks or your contacts speaking with management management companies and stuff like that and I think yeah I mean. I've signed. We I signed a track based on a meeting with some managers that I was talking to them about a completely different artist, and then they were like, "Oh, we've got this." I was like, "Yeah, send it over." And then that turned out to be Prosper Prayer. So, oh, nice. <laughs> uh, that worked out all right then. Shout out to Aaron and Kieran. Um, but yeah, I guess it, yeah, it's just right place, right time. And I, you know, I like to try and get back to nearly at, like pretty much everybody as, as much as i can like you know there's that old saying where you send loads of demos to loads of labels you never hear anything back I, I i do try my best to get back to everyone even if it's like total utter rubbish i would say like thanks for sending it in but like you know but it's just not quite right for us because i think <laughs> giving someone a reply is much more than just being you know, much better than being ghosted it just can you know if you can give a little bit of constructive feedback I can improve it for the next time and things like that. But yeah, like for example, you know, a, ran a random demo that got sent and I, I signed was Tommy Farrow, let's just, like Tommy sent me this record and I, I looked him up, I was like, oh, he's like, you know, he's done some, he was a DJ for like Mambo, he's a resident DJ up in Sheffield, that's cool. And I, went, I always do a bit of background before I listen to a track. And then I listened to the track and I was like, whoa, 
I was like, mate, how long have you been producing music for? And he was like, not very long. I was like, are you sure? Like, this is ridiculous. Um, and I got him down. To, I got him to come down to the office, at Ministry of Sound. He came down from Sheffield. He was like waiting for me in a, like a local Weatherspoons doing uni work and something like that. He was saying, and I got him in. We listened to the music, and I was just like, yes, yeah, this was wicked. I was just like, yeah, one hundred percent, we're signing this. And, you know, and that track's gone from strength to strength, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I like to think it's done really well. I mean, it's had loads of Radio One support. Um, obviously, you've been pushing it a lot. Kiss as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, a great debut for him. He's having, you know, he's having a great moment. And Luke, um, Luke, did you expect when you heard "Let's Just"? Did you expect it to do what it's done? I want to say yes, but probably not, because when we released it, we were obviously going through COVID nineteen coronavirus, and no clubs were open. And for for it being such a club oriented record, you you know you. I had a foresight of thinking, oh, this could this might only be able to go so far because you haven't got big DJs playing it or you know to thousands of people and whatever. But it's definitely it, it exceeded my expectations one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, just the initial reaction was unbelievable. Like I remember sending it to Danny Howard, and he was just like, "This is a belter. Where did you find this?" <laughs> I was just like, "Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's great. Like it's it's one of those records where everyone's when everyone hears it for the first time, they're like, "Whoa, what is this?" Um, and I think that's why it's had such it's a, a real moment. It's a yeah. real, like, yeah. and it, you know, we talk about not having clubs at the moment, but when we are back, people are still going to be hammering that. That is a peak of the night or end of the set. That is a moment, isn't it? It's a moment in time, that track. Yeah, absolutely. Like when, when, when things did reopen for a little bit in Italy, I got sent clips of um, these guys called Fidelis playing it and they're they supporting Tale of Us. And, um, you know, there's all those Instagram channels, techno Bible, techno this, techno that, of like just crowd shots and DJs with their hands. Yeah, I got sent a video of that, and I was just like, yes, that is that's that's the setting that it's supposed to be played in, 100%. But it also works on headphones, listening to it at home in the car. It's just it's one of those records that just works everywhere. And um, yeah, shout out to Tommy for sending it to me. <laughs> but yeah, like alluding to what Billy was saying, you know with all the labels that I do a and for, I always try to keep them varied, never try to keep them pigeonholed. Not keep people guessing, but like, just kind of, just keep things exciting. Like, I don't think I'd like to release records that sound the same every single time, because, I don't know, I feel like I'd lose the passion for it, you know? Like, oh, there's another progressive banger, or there's another breakbeat record, and it's just like, every record that we release is different. It has similarities, of course, but there's something so different about all of them and that's yeah that's how i like to approach it and uh, we talk about you know breakout massive hit successes billy let's just touch on your management um briefly if you don't mind you had a busy year uh last year <laughs> yeah that was um that that's been that was an amazing record for so many reasons uh, so, Billy, you, you manage a number of artists, one of them uh, being Endor. Yes. So, yes, so I've been managing Endor for, I'd say, the best part of five or six years. So I, I found him when I was at Warner. Um, he, he actually sent me his uh, CD um, and, I, and I loved it. And for some reason, I didn't know what management was or how to do it. But I thought, oh, 
management exists, so I'll, maybe I'll give it a go. And um, we just went from we went on a bit a bit of a journey as as anyone would do when they're managing someone. And um, last year, he sent me a record, and it said, "Here's a record that I made in 20 minutes," and it was the backbone of of what became Pump It Up. And um, I remember my brother was sitting opposite me and we both looked at each other and went, okay, we've got some, we've got some work to do. Are you clear the record? (laughs) 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 As soon as possible. (laughs) And anyway, there was a, I think just to touch on, on how this record became what I believe, uh, how it became what it, what it did was, Everyone asked me, so how did it get big? How did you do this or that or whatever? And the truth is, is that we did probably what we do on every record, which is cover all basis right from the right from the the kind of the beginning of what you should do with a club record, which is we serviced it to club, we sent it to DJs who we think would play it, and we got a bit of a buzz going. There was another artist at the time who had was using the same sample. Um we we had no idea that they were and um we we knew that there was a that we had to kind of get it out there and the the thing that probably broke it was sam divine playing it at eastern electrics and just handheld camera that video that video went viral basically didn't it yeah and it went viral and that was before defected had signed it so sam divine got her hands on it she played it then Fisher played it at Mambo. Everyone was taking videos. And then Chris Lake played it somewhere in America. And so you had three big territories all coming in with some viral videos. And um, and then I think we just thought, we just felt that it was moving before it was even out. And um, we had to get it out as soon as possible, basically. Um, but I believe that's what broke the record. Um, I think it's those... And that's why I think it's such a shame. You cannot quantify what it means for when a club is open, um, especially during COVID, because we've missed out on those moments. As Luke's saying, you know, when when Tommy was played in Italy, when when it opened up for a month, it's those that those moments are what we're missing in terms of marketing um, a record, because hearing that record for the first time in a club let's say you've got 200 people, if they're all loving it, they're going to try and find it and Shazam it and tell their friends about it. But then those those really, really low quality videos behind the decks or even just in the crowd, uh, forget about high budget music videos. It's, it's, those, it's those low quality videos that... Shot on a potato. For us. They, they are the... They, they are what we look for in every release, if we possibly can. Social media gold. It is, yeah, it is. And it's also cost you zero. (laughs) 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 Um, Did that record exceed your expectations? Yes. Yeah. Yes, because I I, I really had no idea where where it was going to go. I knew it was going to be a big record. All I knew was going to be a big record for Dan, um, for Endor, because it just sounded big and... It was cool at one point as well. So when we had Sam Devine and Fisher playing it and Chris Lake, 
it was a it was a tastemaker cool record and obviously when it started crossing over um it starts becoming less cool but he's to be fair with Endor he's he's stuck by the record and he's and he's stuck by his sound um in continuing what he wants to do which isn't necessarily kind of going out all out pop he's he's just going to continue what he's doing um but yeah no it exceeded my expectations for sure you can't expect that in my opinion no no way i mean i, I remember hearing it everywhere at one point and i was just like yeah. it was everywhere wasn't it it was literally everywhere yeah and, yeah it was good i remember sending you videos of it billy i'd just be like every club i went to I'd be like oh here we go <laughs> i know i'm trying to get ben to play it on the radio and ben, oh god here we go <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I, had to, I had to make it so big that he had to play it on the radio. <laughs> Needed those videos, mate. That's all you were missing. <laughs> <laughs> um, Luke, I want to just touch on uh, a, a recent uh, development that stress or maybe milestone rather than development. You've got the Club Culture uh, release that came out on Friday. Yeah. Just tell us a little bit about that. So Club Culture was a series on stress back in the 90s and um we wanted to obviously we've, we've had plans to bring it back all along and it's actually been in the well for like the best part of a year um signing exclusive tracks working on a mix that sounds right and, and picking the right time to put it out really and you know we we didn't wait as long as we did for any particular reason it's just because we had all these singles coming out and they're all doing really well and they all had their own campaigns and we were like when is this going to slot into the plan as such and it just so happened that we we had we earmarked a date for october back in like probably may sort of time and it just how so it happens that you know the whole you know it's come together as like you know the nightlife scene is in you know it's in ruins it's on its it's on its feet basically and you know it's um on its knees so i say and it's um we just wanted to put together a package of music that represents the evolving culture of club culture and, and to show people how important club culture is to not only the UK, but uh, around the world. We've got, you know, it's a, it's a mixed bag of artists. You've got European artists on there, you've got UK artists, all very different genres. Um, you can go from breakbeat to progressive to straight up house and, you know, there's a questionable tech house track on there not that the track's questionable but is it tech house is it house i don't know to the same thing now aren't they um but yeah i mean it's yeah it's been it was a really fun project to put together and talk with all these artists a lot of them new again a lot of them new artists but new artists that i'd like to be part of the label and, and that generally love the label as well and love what we do and i feel like that's a really good formula to have um and yeah, we've pressed it to limited edition vinyl. Uh, we've done some merch, um, and yeah, just the, just the, I thought it had it's got a really powerful message behind it, and it's hopefully it will unite quite a lot of people, um, and it will you know people will play it in whatever setting. I mean, someone played it. Someone said they messaged me and they played it in the gym all the way through because we it's, it's available as a like a full continuous mix product as well. And they said didn't flip through any of the tracks. I'm like, well. That's a good job then. That's that's good that's job well done. If you haven't flipped through any track, but um, it's a long, it's a long gym session. That absolutely. That's what I was going to say. I was like, <laughs> well, a treadmill for like two hours. <laughs> Is that a way of showing off in a way? 
<laughs> subtle brag humble brag <laughs> watched in the gym for two hours and uh <laughs> the whole of your of your album and i've been in the gym for two hours <laughs> well, so you probably you probably have to queue to use weights now don't you so <laughs> um yeah but yeah i mean it's, yeah like i said it's, it's been amazing putting it together and working with so many new artists and compiling an album um you know we do that you know, every day as, as a company with the, you know, the back to mind series that we run is a DJ mix series for the after party, their after party soundtrack, future disco, the other label that I run, that's an award-winning compilation series. Um, that's been going for 10 years and then need one. We've done like artist compilations on that as well. So yeah, that, it was, it was a really fun project to be part of. And it, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's been well received. So and that's what you want, really. You want people to like it. <laughs> if they didn't like it, yeah. I'd be like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's an interesting point you make about albums. Now, just kind of taking moving across from the from the label side to the artist side, and from your angle as as you know, label runners and A and Rs, is there a place for artist albums in this day and age? Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, like the rest of the world probably i was listening to camel fat's album yesterday and it was just i remember seeing like i think they put it out on social media don't put it on random or don't skip any because it's a musical journey and i have to agree with them it was it was it was amazing like obviously i had the hit big hitters on there but yeah that was well worth the wait i thought um but yeah 100 percent. i mean obviously there has to be a demand for an album because it's hard getting people to an album product now with like the the swipeable generation that we are and skip skippable generation that we are. But yeah, I mean, I, I come from a very album background and I love listening to albums. So I think it really shows how versatile an artist can be, um, how you know how much longevity that artist can have. Um, but obviously, you know, dance music isn't. The most album-centric genre is very singles and EPs and twelve-inch orientated. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think there is one hundred percent. Billy, from a from a label perspective, does an album make sense always, or is it is it is it difficult? Because I know artists often love to do albums, right? Because as, as you said, they see it as a it's a musical journey, it's a piece of art, but it, it's got to be hard when you know so heavily reliant on spotify and apple music these days they're not going to back a whole album from a from a label end how does that fit in i think that there's there's the two sides i think there's the demand you you want to put an album out if there's demand for it and then there's the other side that i believe that i do listen to artists when they say it which is sometimes they want to kind of draw the end of a chapter and an album is a good way of going, here's a, here's a body of work and now I'd like to move on. Um, maybe even doing the same kind of music, but it's a chapter that they like to have and a milestone. And um, I think before I was, I, was, I was going, you need demand uh, for an album. There's no point in putting one out. But now I'm kind of like, I think, I think you can put as... If, if you want to put an album out because you feel strongly and you have a concept and a reason why, then I don't see any reason why not. As you say, maybe the the new world of, of streaming doesn't help. Some records might 
full by the wayside. Um, some great records probably have on albums that we that might not have done um, pre-streaming. But I'm open for it. I'm open to it now. Um, the the first album that we're going to have on another rhythm is going to be Tabasco, and yeah, I think there's going to be demand, not to the extent of Camel Fat, um, but for for them, it's a it's a chapter and a milestone that they want to they want to put in, and they have a lot of reasons as to why they want to put out an album. And I think if the artist has good reason to do so, then and as a label, and they want you to be the label who are teaming up with them, then it's a really it's a really special journey to to do. And I think that if the artist wants it more than anyone else, more than you, more than the label, then you're going to be in a good place uh, for the album. It's, it's it's likely that it's going to sound good, look good, have a have an actual concept to it. Um, having all of those makes it much easier to market. You can go to Spotify and Apple Music and all of the streaming platforms and go, yeah, it might seem a bit early, but there's a very good reason as to why we're putting this album out. Um, so, so, yeah, I think there's a couple of ways um, and a couple of reasons why. But on the flip side, you want to put loads of singles out because that's what gets the most attention um, in in this new era of streaming. Um, so it's just finding a balance, I think. I want to just touch on m- music and music trends and the sound of 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 this era. Both of your labels have pushed. Uh, often break C sounds, but music that is different to 4-4, house, tech house. But as we said earlier on in in the podcast, genre seems to be kind of more and more fluid these days. Was it a deliberate move from from both of you to to look outside of that 4-4 house remit, or did it just kind of, you heard the music and it worked for you? Yeah, pretty much that. We just heard the music and it just worked for us. I think... um... With the Prosper track, it, was, it just sounded so fresh and like nothing you were hearing at the moment. And you just thought, "We've got, to, we've got to release this and just just see what it does." And it, you know, obviously, it did pretty well in the end. And it just kind of like, I think that really opened up the whole revival of the ravey and the break scene. Um, but at the time, it was just you, you know, you, you didn't hear anything like that either on the radio, or on streaming, or in clubs, and you know, a lot of DJs so many different DJs were playing it, which even surprised me, like people like Purple Disco Machine, which is like, who's like a Don of Disco, a new disco, and you think, even he's playing it in his sets. You just think, wow, like that many type of DJs have written this record. And um, yeah, not not by any, not, not deliberately, we've just released tracks that, or singles with artists that have, Kind of, I've got breaksy influences, Arabian influences, but also take job, like reference from other genres as well. Um, yeah, I mean, some of the records we've got coming up in the near future are totally different to what we've been releasing the last six months or so. Um, that's because we're looking for the next wave, not the next wave, but the next, you know, what's next, so to speak. So, yeah. What about you, Billy? Yeah, we're. 
as, as I was saying earlier, I think I'm a bit too sort of impatient in a way, um, to kind of just pick one one genre and and run with it. The another rhythm has has disco, has house, tech house, has breaks, has everything, and that's just because if I like it and I feel like it works um, under the brand and with the label and everyone else in the in the company um, knows and, and loves it too. Then it's something that we'd like to do. If it's and if it's a little bit fun, then great. Basically, if we like it, we go with it. If they want, sign with us <laughs> as well. <laughs> and are you are you guys as A and R's? Are you seeing music that the music that you're being sent? Is it moving in a certain direction? Are there are there trends that you're spotting now that you think might influence sort of mainstream in a sense that it's it's widely you know consumed dance music? Are there trends there? I think um, you're seeing at the moment what I'm seeing. I don't know if you guys agree, but there are some producers, DJs, who relied heavily on playing out, and some of their music would be more catered towards very, very more niche or just more underground. And they're producing slightly more melodic music in order to compete in the streaming area. Streaming era. And I think that it was going there anyway with the kind of progressive house breaks movement, but more producers and DJs are jumping on that because less people are able to go out and listen to deeper, darker records. Um, Certainly from our side, we're getting sent lots more, whether it's through our demo submissions or whether it's just artists who are already on the label it is becoming more melodic and that works for that works for me because uh, i think every record that i put out has some kind of hook or melody that's probably one of the first things i look for so it's it's good for me but i don't know what you guys think luke have you have you noticed that dj's um are sort of unlikely dj's are producing more i'd say commercial music yeah definitely more vocal based 100% um it's well it's well known isn't it the vocal tracks have more longevity than an instrumental tune especially with no clubs being open now um yeah i'm getting sent a lot more tracks with vocalists and i am speaking to a lot more vocalists daily which is has its challenges um (laughs) you know i'm also noticing quite a lot of uh garage influences in some tracks now as well i think garage is going to come back soon um if not starting to slowly come back already um but yeah definitely more vocal 100 percent, a lot more vocal tunes uh, and good quality vocal dance tracks as well not crossover pop ones more actually this is an underground record but it's got a really great vocal on it um yeah that's definitely what i'm seeing 100 definitely i'm not i'm certainly not getting sent techno bangers anymore um <laughs> the yeah. the eli brown record were killer with Haley may on it, it yeah, that's, that's amazing that track a really good yeah. example when you if, when you strip off that vocal it's a pretty heavy record yeah um but that vocal for me is one of the best vocals um that i've heard this year um but i think a very good example of probably where it's going 
Well, guys, thank you both so much for coming on the podcast. I just want to give you guys both uh, an opportunity to fill us in on anything or any artists that you've got or projects coming up that you think um, are going to be big ones that we should look out for. It's a really tricky. It's a really tricky one, Ben. So I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, I want to mention all my artists, but I've mentioned <laughs> them a bit today. But obviously, the Tabasco Boys are something very special. They're moving into. They're, they're starting to do live bits as well. So when COVID lifts, I think that they're going to be ones to to really keep an eye on and their productions and mixes are just getting better and better. Um, Amy L, she's released one single, but is so eclectic with her sound that I think that there's, there's so much more um, to give from her. And, and then I'd look out for the whole, for the whole label we're going to start doing some live, our first live events. We're trying to get some merch together. Um, got a big up, um, Joanna, who works with me closely on the label, and Sophia and my bro. Um, but yeah, there's, um, there's some exciting things coming. So it's difficult to, to highlight just a couple. Of course. But I think the, the label as a whole is, is feeling like a real family. It's something that we've been wanting to... So it's the only thing I wanted when I started uh, the label is to have a good community around it and a good feel. So hopefully next year it'll be a bit more positive. We'll have some good things to look forward to. Brilliant. Luke, what's uh, what's in the pipeline for you? Um, we've got more Tommy Farrow records coming on stress. Um, again, like Billy said, he's, you know, his, his production and his mixing is getting better and better every day, every week. And every track that he sends me is even better than the last one. You change your mind as to what the next single is going to be every time, which is a good headache to have. Um, more music from Will Easton. Um, signed this artist called Emily Nash to stress recently. Really promising young talent. Um, great with vocals. Um, and I'm developing uh, an artist called Laura on our other label, Need One, who is just incredible. She's like, she's one third of the band Ultra Easter. She used to make music as Femme and she's done like vocals for Bronson, that project that's like Golden Features and Odetsa. She's, I think she's doing stuff with Eli Brown. Um, she's worked with Sasha. She, yeah, but she's making really wonky electronic music. It's, yeah, she's unbelievable. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, like, like Billy said, I don't want to give too much away, but yeah, they're the ones that I want to, I, I can shout about as such. Um, and yeah, like before before COVID kicked in, we we were we had parties for stress booked in the diary, and then coronavirus and lockdown had other plans, so we definitely kicked those off. And uh, when things are up and running again, which would be great, because um, we you know we're we're trying to build a family vibe with that particular label, with all our labels really, but more importantly, stress. Um, that's why you see us release with the the same artists quite frequently. Um, or they do remixes for each other and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, hopefully 2021 will be a better year. Um, 2022 hopefully will be even better. But that's a long way off yet. <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, we're all we're all on the same page there. 2021 is going to be better than 2020, that's for sure. Uh, and then we'll just take a view from there, I guess. <laughs> um, boys, thank you both so much for coming on. It's been thanks for having me. Good to meet you, Barney. Good to meet you too.